Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. Continuing my series called Pick Up the Mantle. And I, I wish um, God would have given me that word earlier because I could have worked that into my notes. That would have worked really well, that, that word about it's not a, a race, it's not a marathon, it is a relay. That's good. I need to write that down so I don't forget it. You guys can write it down for me. Don't let me forget that. That's a good one. Um, so pick up the mantle. Last week I talked about Elijah and Elisha, how Elijah was at a low place, and God told him, you need to go cast your mantle, throw your mantle on Elisha and anoint him as prophet in your stead. Elisha served him for a number of years, probably about 10 years, um, was very servant-hearted, very faithful. Um, Elisha was known as the the man who poured water on Elijah's hands. He was known for his service. Um, great man of God. You know, we talked about how that mantle anointing, it didn't just come upon him suddenly, but it came upon him through that relationship. And through that relationship, he, he caught that faith. He caught that spirit of Elijah, even that double spirit, that double portion of faith. And when he picked up that mantle and struck the waters, it was out of faith. He said, where is the God of Elijah? He walked across on dry Ground. So we talked kind of about the, the perspective from Elisha, the one, how to pick up the mantle. Tonight, I'm going to kind of focus on the other side of that relationship, um, the person who throws their mantle on someone else. So how to be a mentor, how to lead, how to invest in people, how, how to um, you know, impact the next generation, impact your, you know, your natural children, impact um, spiritual children. So your spiritual children, they might be people your same age, people older than you, but we are all created to make an impact. So um, I'm going to be sharing um, about this aspect of the relationship, um, talking about Moses and Joshua. So before I get into the story of Moses and Joshua, turn really quick to Psalm 115. Psalm 115, I want to start in verse 12. So some of you have known me a long time. You know, I, I'm, I've almost been here five years now as the associate pastor. When I first came here, I was um, single, ready to mingle. I was a bachelor. I, I didn't really have to worry about impacting the next generation so much. Um, I, the other day I was talking to Heather about how different my just day-to-day looks now, you know, yesterday um, with my parents, I had, I had extra work to do. I, I filmed several, you know, teachings. I had a few meetings um, with, with staff here, and then I came home. You know, I rushed home to get Fisher from school and raced home to get home, you know, by four so Heather could go get her hair done. And the whole time she was gone for three hours, it was like, you know, a, a baby meltdown mode. I was trying to take care of the baby and take care of Fisher, and, and um, I was just hoping my wife would return and wouldn't leave me with these two children. My, uh, you know, my, my, my life is a lot different now as a, as a you know, husband, as a dad, and um, I have to think a lot more about um, you know, the next generation and what that thing, you know, and Ada, you know, she had a, a diaper explosion too while, while mom was gonna, I have a very weak stomach, but I, I, I powered through. You know, the, the Lord gave me a special grace for that moment. And, uh, but um, actually when I, right after I um, uh, proposed to Heather, God um, really spoke this particular psalm to me, Psalm 115, verse 12 through 18. So when I married Heather, um, I met her when she had just a four-year-old son. She was a young widow with her four-year-old here. And um, when I married Heather, I knew I wasn't just marrying her, but I was also jumping straight into the, the dad seat and um, God spoke to me about, about Fisher and about being a dad, an insta-dad. And he told me that, you know, Aaron 
you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of influence. You're gonna you know do do a lot through ministry, but your son Fisher is actually going to have a greater impact than you. So um, you raising Fisher, you taking him as your son is actually the greatest privilege um, of your life. So you need to take it serious. And God spoke to me from this psalm here. Um, psalm 115, verse 12, it says, The Lord has been mindful us of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. I love that. I love when God speaks to me personally through Scripture. If your name's not Aaron, you can scratch that out and write your own name there. I'll, I'll allow you to, to, to you'll put in parentheses your own name there if you'd like. But God, you know, this is exactly for Aaron, Lawson, Purdue. The, the original translators forgot, you know, my last name in there too. I've checked the original Hebrew. I think Purdue might be there. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. God wants to bless us so much that it doesn't doesn't just impact you, but it impacts um, people around you. It impacts the generation after you. God's blessing is so big, it's not just, there's no way any one person can contain it. If you think God's blessing, his plans for you, his, his dreams for you, that they, they can just be contained in yourself, in your own lifetime, in your own race, that, that's not big enough. When God blesses people, he does, he does it so, so it pours over onto other people. God is a multi-generational God. And when he blesses you, he wants to bless generations after you. You know, like I, God is the God not just of Abraham, but he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I think sometimes as Americans, we, 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 um, we're very much into running sprints all the time. When we go get food, we want it to be fast. We want door dash, not door marathon. Right? When we go to that line at Chick-fil-A, we better be through that line in 10 minutes. I don't care if there's 1,000 cars there. You know, they're anointed by God. They can, they can take those sandwiches, break them and multiply them and get them to my car within 10 minutes. And they do that. I don't know how. It's, it's an it's a, it's a anointing of multiplication there at the drive-thru at, at Chick-fil-A. But, um, you know, God, God wants to, every, everything's not just about getting it done instantly. You know, I, I remember um, um, Heather and I, when we went on our honeymoon to Italy, we you know, went, went and saw some of these, you know, old cathedrals. And, and as we got tours, you know, some of these cathedrals, they said, like, took 200 years to build a cathedral. I was thinking about the building project here and how long it felt to me and how much work it was. And I think we got it done in less than a year. But um, it, felt, it felt like a lot of work. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people were really excited to give to that project. But could you imagine if I came to you tonight and said, hey, we're going to build a new building? God's got a new building for us. We're going to start giving right now, but you're not going to be able to sit in it. Your children aren't going to be able to sit in it. Your, grand, your great-grandchildren, it's going to take 200 years to build this thing. Can you imagine that? You know, I think sometimes in this country, too, we, we want things to change instantly politically. And we have faith for instant, that instant change. Sometimes things take longer. And when, when the things take longer and don't work out quite exactly how you're thinking, keep trusting God. Always trust God. Always put your faith in God. He always has a good plan. And sometimes he works things out a little bit differently than what we might initially think. And when he does work it out, you're going to see that he's the one who worked it out. And it was better than what you might have planned, better than what a particular preacher might have planned, better than what a particular prophet would have planned. We need to put our hope not in our own plans, not in a prophet's own plan. We need to put our hope ultimately in Jesus Christ. And if someone misses it, it's okay. 
It's okay. Amen? I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. No, no person walking on the face of the earth right now gets it 100% of the time. So it's okay. We can move on. Keep trusting God. He's going to work out things better than we can imagine. I believe he's going to work out things for this nation better than we can imagine. I love America. I'm still going to keep loving America. I'm going to still keep praying for this nation. Keep, keep, you know, worshiping God. Keep valuing my freedom of speech, freedom of religion. Uh, but I'm going to keep trusting God more than anything. I'm going to keep trusting him more than, than politics, more than this nation, more than, I'm going to put my trust and my hope in God. And I know he cares about me and I know he's going to work things out. Amen. That's a good word for someone tonight. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. I love that. The earth he has given to the children of men. Everything that happens on this earth, everything that happens in this nation, it's not all, it's not God's fault. We have authority. He has given it to us, right? He's given it to us. The earth he has given to the children of men. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence. I love that. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I still have breath in my lungs. When things don't work out the way I want them to, I still have breath in my lungs. So what am I going to do when I come to church? I'm going to praise the Lord. Today's the 13th, right? What what am I going to do when I come to church on the 20th? January 20th. Whatever happens on January, I'm going to praise the Lord. Because I already know who's on the throne of all thrones, who who is the king of kings. I know who gets all the glory, and I'm going to give him all the glory all the time, no matter what. Praise God that we are part of that kingdom. That is the greatest kingdom to be a part of, the kingdom of heaven. And that is the kingdom that, that keeps growing and growing, and it does not stop. The kingdom of heaven does not go backwards. Freedoms are not stripped away in that kingdom. You know, the, 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 the king who sits on that throne can't be voted out. He cannot be impeached. He cannot be impeached once, not twice, not three times. It doesn't matter who has power here on this earth. Jesus is Lord, period. Amen. So that, that makes me want to shout. That makes me excited. So I'm going to let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. I love that. We need to have huge goals, huge dreams. Like I said, life, it's not a sprint. It's not a marathon. It's a relay. We should have goals that actually, they're so big, so wild, so extreme that, hey, maybe you might not be able to accomplish it in your own lifetime. That's okay. You know, because, uh, and I'm going to talk about Moses and Joshua. Mo- you know, Moses was an incredible man of God. You know, the Bible says that there wasn't any like him. You know, this man who saw God face to face. Incredible man of God. You know, raised as a prince of Egypt. You know, just, just how he was born. His early, it's such a miracle. You know, his, his mother, you know, the, the Pharaoh wanted to kill all the children. But his mother, you know, valued life, put him in an ark. You know, and the Lord saved him. And, and, and look how he was saved. The Pharaoh's own daughter adopted him. Crazy. Crazy. Um, God, God can work things out in unusual ways. Amen. 
He can work things, and he did that in Moses' life from the very beginning. You know, Moses grew up as a prince in Egypt um, for 40, you know, for the first 40 years. In the next 40 years, he ran away. He kind of messed up. He got ahead of God. He tried to take that baton before that baton was ready for his to carry. That's a danger in leadership, trying to grab the baton, trying to, I'm not, I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to do it right now, and give me that baton. And it wasn't his, that his time to carry that baton. You know, um, both, both my younger brothers are incredible athletes. They were really great sprinters. They actually ran on the same four by 100 team um, at state, one state together. Uh, my brother Andrew was a senior. My brother Peter was a sophomore in high school. And they won the Colorado State Championship four by 100. They took that baton and they cut it in four pieces. So they each have a, I was thinking about, man, I should bring a baton to church or something. But uh, I'd have to like glue those two pieces they have you know, still in storage here together. I just have half a baton. But um, you know, Moses tried to take it too early. It wasn't his time to carry that baton yet. He got in trouble. Um, but, you know, Moses, out of, out of everything he did in his life, you know, he parted the Red Sea, hit a rock, water came out of it, you know, took a, people are dying, they were complaining too much, and they all got bit by snakes. That's one of my favorite stories to tell my son Fisher when he's complaining too much. Um, I love these Old Testament stories. It's all about, to him who has ears, let him hear. So, you know, we saw an ambulance going by and it had the cross with the snake. So I told him, that's from the story of Moses, Fisher, and, and uh, how even though they're getting bit by snakes, God, God wanted to save them. So um, there's grace for you, Fisher. Uh, there's grace for you if, you're, if you feel condemned right now for complaining too much. So, you know, there, there is a cross. Jesus is that sacrifice on the cross. Moses did all these great things, but the one thing he wanted to do more than anything what was it? He wanted to go into the promised land. So we're gonna, but he didn't do it, did he? He didn't do it. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. So Mo, God actually spoke to Moses and said, you need to start raising up Joshua. Because you're not going to do it, but you're going to have to pass on that baton. And Joshua is going to be the one to, to step into the promised land and to lead, be the number one boss, lead people into the promised land. You're not going to do it. Your number two, your vice president is going to do it, Joshua. He's going to be the one to take that baton. So um, Moses had to, you know, start developing Joshua. He had to, you know, he had to develop a leader after him. I think a lot of people in the body of Christ, they're trying to develop followers. How many followers can I get? They're very concerned about followers. Um, you know, ministry, yeah, sure, it's great to minister this way and have a big reach this way, but you need to also be reaching this way. It's not just about getting followers, but it's about developing people, developing leaders. Amen. Our ministry, and, and all of us are called to be ministers. All, every person here who believes on Jesus Christ, you are called to minister, to, to impact the world for Jesus. And it's not just about ministering this way, but it's about ministering this way as well. Does that make sense? We need to, to, to develop people in an important way, in a deep way. We need to see potential in people. Jesus sees potential in people. Jesus sees potential in unusual people. In unusual people. You know, and I, think, I think in these last days, we're going to see some unusual people rise up to be important leaders in the body of Christ. You know, when there's a Goliath, that's when the Davids rise up. That's when those people who, who've been ignored their whole life, who've just been out in the backside of the, the mountains, you know, taking care of the sheep, singing songs with the sheep, that's when those people come to the forefront, when there's a Goliath. You know, now, now is a Goliath 
time. So you're going to start seeing Davids pop up. People who are ignored maybe by their parents, by society, by their church, I don't know. But you're going to see Davids pop up with that spirit of faith and be anointed by God to just, man, just knock down some giants in their lifetime. So we're going to see that in these days. But we need to see potential in people. When Jesus looked at people, he didn't just look at them on the surface. He saw them in their full potential. When Jesus looked at paralytics, he saw something different. Most people just ignore them. Hey, that's that guy that's been begging by the temple for 40 years now. Jesus saw something different. He saw a praise dancer. He saw someone who's going to get up on Christmas Eve at Caris Christian Center and you know, grab a, grab a flag and run around and dance for the Lord. Jesus sees people different than most people do. When Jesus looked at mute people, he saw worship leaders. When Jesus looked at harlots, he saw evangelists. When Jesus looked at rednecks, uneducated, cussing fishermen, he saw pastors. When Jesus looked at terrorists, Middle Eastern, Christian cutthroating terrorists, he saw apostles. We need to look at people like Jesus. God, God wants to save every person here on this earth. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all might you know, receive salvation, receive Jesus. We need to have a heart for the lost today. There are a lot of lost people in this country today. There are a lot of lost people in this world today. So I'm excited because there is a very ripe harvest today. And we all have a part to play in that. So um, I'm going to be talking tonight kind of about how to pass that mantle on to the next generation, how to minister to people, how to impact people. And again, um, don't get too nearsighted with your goals. Think long term. Think about, you know, the legacy you want to leave. Who might carry on that legacy? Who am I going to pass this baton on to? I think about my own dad. He, he's, he has a heart to minister to the next generation of pastors. You know, he's helped, you know, our church has actually helped several churches this past year buy buildings and, and, and get a firm footing as, as a new church in their area. We helped um, Pastor Max Cornell in Kansas City buy his first building this past year. So we, we've helped, you know, plant a, a permanent church a spirit-filled grace and faith church in Kansas City. We also helped Pastor Brian and Ashley Clark in Greensboro, North Carolina, plant a church there. We helped them, you know, buy that building so they could be firmly planted there. And, um, you know, God, God wants us to leave a legacy to pass on that baton. And I was thinking about my own dad, some of his mentors, like Andrew Womack and Lester Summerall. You know, Lester Summerall was, you know, had a, a huge ministry, a really mighty man of God. But he, he actually um, came out to our church in Kit Carson, Colorado. How many of you here tonight have ever been to Kit Carson or even driven through Kit Carson? You know, if you were driving through it, you, you probably blinked and it was gone. If I asked you, you know, what do you remember from Kit Carson, you might say, there, there's not a whole lot to remember there. There's one light that just flashes yellow. All, it's not even a stoplight. It just, like, just flashes yellow. No one needs to stop because there's not much traffic going through there. But, you know, Lester Summerall, you know, took the time to, to come there not once but twice, you know, to, to minister, to make sure my dad was doing all right. He was staying on track. He was making sure that baton was being passed on. Now, that, that was such a huge priority to, priority to him. You know, he had a huge impact this way, huge ministry this way, but he, he made sure he was ministering to people this way, deep as well. Does that make sense? So no matter what your ministry looks like this way, always, we all, we all 
and all of our ministries are going to be different this way. They're going to be different. We're all called to different things, but all of us have people we can reach this way that only you can reach, that only you can minister to, that only you can, can um, pass on certain spiritual gifts to. Amen. I, I love uh, when Paul writes to the Roman church, the church in Rome, he says, I, I wish I could be there in person. You know, he knows people all around the world, but he hasn't been to Rome yet because he said, when I come there in person, I want to be able to impart to you certain spiritual gifts and then our mutual faith, it's going to give me joy. You know, we, we need to be a part of a team right now more than ever before. I like what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 4.15. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. He's saying, I I don't want to just minister to you this way, to just be an instructor, to just be writing you a letter. But I want to be a spiritual father to you. I want you to imitate me. I've begotten you. I want to minister to you in a deep, um, really profound, important way. So now, let's dive into the story of Moses and Joshua. That was a big introduction there. I like big introductions. So I'm a classical musician. I love symphonies that start off with a huge, you know, monumental introduction. Because then you know the rest is going to be that much, that good or even better. All right, so let's go on, let's go on to um, Exodus 17. Exodus 17. I've got to keep moving so I, can I, so I can get to my whiteboard. That's when I get really excited, when I, when I break out the whiteboard. It's my, my, my teaching gift just gets, gets going. So Exodus 17. Um, so this is um, just shortly, you know, Moses is about 80 years old here at, at this time in Exodus 17. Um, the Israelites had, had just left Egypt, just crossed the Red Sea. Things were looking pretty good. You know, God did this huge miracle, parted the Red Sea. They walked through on dry ground. Um, you know, just before that, you know, all the Israelites, you know, this, there's this huge riot, huge, huge insurrection, huge mob against Moses saying, we want to kill you. You've taken us to a dead end. But God spared Moses. He crossed through on the Red Sea. And then, you know, God proved him to be the leader and just swallowed up the entire, you know, army of Pharaoh in an instant. Moses probably thought, man, it's smooth sailing now. This is a sprint to get to the promised land. Now, look at, did you see that miracle, everyone? Did you see that miracle, Joshua? Did you see that miracle, Miriam and Aaron? Did you see that miracle? This is going to be so easy to get to the promised land. It's going to happen like that. Did you see what just happened? Let's, let's keep walking on to the promised land. Let's keep our journey going. Three days in, another insurrection, another riot, another mob. We want to kill, we want to go back to Egypt. Moses, you brought us out here to die. Just three days. People are funny. They've always been funny. Polls are always funny. Popularity is a funny thing. Some of us, they, they, they want to kill him. They want to, you know, get rid of him, go back to eat, go back to sleep. Man, we had good cucumbers to eat in Egypt. We had good leeks to eat. I don't even know what a leek is. But they, they really wanted to go back to, they, they didn't mind being a slave so they can eat those cucumbers and eat those leeks, eat, those, eat that broccoli. Let's talk about broccoli. Fisher hates broccoli. They wanted to eat cucumbers. I don't, I don't get that. So, you know, 
God does something awesome. There's bitter waters. It's called Mara. The people are complaining. They didn't drink that bitter water, but they were sure bitter on the inside. There was a river of bitter water flowing in them. They were complaining. Complaining is the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of a bitter heart, the mouth complains. It's the amplified version according to Aaron Perdue. So, you know, God did a miracle. He showed him a tree. He threw that tree in the water. The waters were healed. Hey, he built an altar called Jehovah Rapha. The Lord is a healer. He is the Lord who heals us. He is Jehovah Rapha. You know, Moses sees a picture of Jesus. He sees a picture of the gospel. God actually preached the gospel to Moses in that instant. I think it's so beautiful. You know, Moses, you know, writes the law. And um, even as the, the, the one who got to pen the law, he, he knew about Jesus. He knew about redemption. He knew about salvation. The law points to Jesus. And he was so excited about it in that moment, I believe, when he threw that tree in the water. He saw Jesus. And, you know, I think about, you know, the, the transfiguration on the mountain. Who got to be there to see Jesus, you know, fully glorified? It was Moses and Elijah. Why? Because the law and the prophets, they all point to Jesus. They were excited to see Jesus. Moses was excited to see Jesus. And I, I'm sure... You know, God just gave him a special honor, you know, as, as the, you know, the, the, the representative of the law to be there to see Jesus because the law points to Jesus. So, you know, um, again, an awesome miracle, but, you know, they, they go a little bit further here and they come across their first enemy on their way to the promised land, the Amalekites. Who are the Amalekites? They are descendants of Esau. And Esau has had it out for Jacob for a long time now. Ever since Esau, you know, he, he kind of got along a little bit. God kind of restored that relationship. But, but still the people of Esau, his sense, were mad at Jacob, mad at Israel, because they're the ones who took that birthright. They're the ones who took that blessing. They're the ones who, they, they had it in for them. So even generations, you know, hundreds of years later, centuries of years later, they're still carrying animosity. Towards, towards Jacob and towards his descendants. So they're coming out to fight the Israelites. Um, so Exodus 17, verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, this is the first time Joshua's name is mentioned in Scripture. So Moses is about 80 years old here. And this is when he casts his mantle now to Joshua. He says to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand... Amalek prevailed, but Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. He's saying there's something special with, with you and Joshua. You need to keep this you know, relationship going on that you have with Joshua. Recount it, continually remind Joshua of this, and I'm utterly going to blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And this is what Moses does to help remind the people of Israel, but especially to 
to help remind Joshua of who God Almighty, Lord Almighty, Lord all caps, Jehovah Yahweh is. He is the Lord our banner. He is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our victory. Victory isn't just in man's hands. It's not just in how well you fight the battle. This battle belongs to the Lord. If you want victory in life, ultimate victory comes from the Lord alone. And because Jesus is Lord, if you have Jesus as your Lord, you are victorious, period. You are not a victim. You are a victor if Jesus is inside of you. Jesus is Lord of all. He is the one who was, who is, who is to come, the A to the Z. He is the great I am. Before Abraham was, I am. He is the unconquerable, undefeated, everlasting, heavyweight champion of the universe. If you believe on Jesus, you should not feel discouraged. You should not feel broken down. You know, what are we going to do? Man, is not our Lord alive today? I'm excited. I'm excited to be here in this time, this hour right now, because there is a purpose for me being here. And there's a purpose for Jesus living on the inside of me. We're going to talk about that next week. Jesus left his mantle for the church to pick up. And in this last day, we got to pick up that mantle. He, he left the Holy Spirit. Just like Elijah ascended and left his mantle, Jesus ascended and left his mantle. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need that. We need that boldness. We need that fire. We need that anointing, that power, that anointing more than ever. And we need it right now. We need to pick up that mantle. So he's saying there's something special about this relationship with Joshua. And Joshua realizes. So Moses is commanded to start passing this baton off to Joshua. Right, and, and, and one thing I know about a relay is, um, I think it's called the exchange zone. There's a certain zone where, where both people are allowed to be touching the baton at the same time, right? You, there, there, there's an exchange zone, so um, you know, the first runner comes running up, and they, once they reach that zone, they stretch it out, and the other guy starts running and reaches back, right? So there's a, there's a zone where they can both be touching that baton at the same time. If one guy lets go too early, they drop it. If one guy you know, runs off too fast without it, they'll drop it. You don't want to drop the baton right now. And on this, in that exchange zone, again, we talked about it with Elijah and Elisha. Some people think that exchange zone just happened like that. No, that exchange zone for Elijah and Elisha took 10 years. How long did it take for the exchange zone, that baton to be passed from Moses to Joshua? How long did Joshua serve under Moses? Forty years. Number two, for 40 years, serving under Moses, learning from Moses. He he was, that, that exchange took place over 40 years. Can you imagine that? I would think, man, after 10 years, I'd be thinking, man, God, why don't you come and find this guy and take him up in a whirlwind and put me in charge? Now, it took, took 40 years, you know, and, and Joshua was faithful. He did what he was called. But also Moses, Moses entrusted certain things to him. Even right here from the very beginning, he actually um, entrusted, gave responsibility to Joshua. He, um, he knew that what he was doing was so big, he couldn't just do everything himself. 
He knew, hey, if, if I'm going to be the prophet of God, the one who communicates with God, holds this rod up, this mantle, this anointing, this power um, up, someone else is going to have to go and, and fight here. Every battle is not going to work out. You know, that first battle against the Egyptians, it worked where I could just do it all on my own with that rod. There are going to be some battles that you can't do on your own. You're going to need some help. You're going to need to entrust and empower other people to take on some responsibility. So we see that right here in this battle. There is a division of roles that gets set up. So Moses is number one. He is the boss. He's the the chief executive of that nation. He's the prophet of God. He hears from God, speaks what God tells him. But Joshua here, he's given the role as a, as a general. He is over the army. He has to recruit the army, train the army, lead them into battle. That is his role. So there is a division of roles. That is part of passing the baton, is giving some people some responsibility. That's a great leadership principle. You, you do not need to be micromanaging all the time. People can't raise up if you're squishing them with that mantle, if you're smothering them with that mantle, Right? Part of, of, of that transfer of that mantle anointing means you need to ease up every now and then and see what God is going to do through that person. Can I get an amen? And great leaders, great teachers understand this. When I, when I was 18 years old, I, I went and stayed with the top flute teacher in all the world, Jeannie Backstresser. She was principal of the New York Philharmonic principal flute for 20 years, taught at Juilliard. When I was at Carnegie Mellon, I got overwhelmed when I was first there. There were top flutists from Russia, from South Korea, from Argentina, all around the world studying there with her. And um, what she told me, actually, Paul Stewart's, Uh, with me uh, tonight. He actually was my youth pastor. He went with me to Pittsburgh when I took that audition. And I was so nervous. The morning of the audition, I said, I I I need a banana, because I heard that bananas kind of calm your nerves a little bit. The potassium in there. So I said, you know, hey, hey, Paul, can you find me a banana? We're staying at, uh, I I still remember the hotel, I think it was a a Wyndham Hotel in in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, you know, he went down, and and I I remember my mouth was drying out. My mouth's a little bit dry right now from Teaching, I'm like having a deja vu flashback to those on-stage jitters because I really wanted to get into this school. Hey, can you just find me a banana? And you know, he, he was gone for 10, 15 minutes, and he came back up with this banana. He said, hey, I, I saw a, a grocery, a food truck driving down the road, and I chased him down and said, hey, do you got a banana? And, but he was just pulling a trick on me. He actually um, just had one. They had a banana right there in the lobby. So um, God provided, you know, that banana. He hit that rock, and that banana just shot out of the rock. Um, anyways, but when I, when I studied with this teacher, this famous teacher, she told me, you know, on one of my first lessons, she said, you're going to be studying with me for four years, but I want, I want our relationship to look like this. When you're first starting out, I'm going to be right next to you. Any problem you have with your playing, whatever, I, I'm going to be there glued to you. But by, by the end of the four years, I want it to be like this. I don't want to be your teacher. I want you to teach yourself. I want to become such a great teacher that I'm actually going to teach you how to teach yourself. That's a great principle there. That, that is kind of a passing the baton kind of principle. So that's a great, uh, just a great um, little bit of um, just wisdom for you all. But they, they set up this, um, you know, division of roles. Joshua was the military leader. Moses was the prophet of God. He held that rod. He, he, that, that's the same rod that summoned those plagues, parted the Red Sea, brought water from a rock. And Moses was the guy who got to hold that. He was the number one. He was the boss. 
You know, when I, when I first met Heather and Fisher, Fisher, um, he, if, you've, if you know him, he's, he's a natural-born leader. Wherever he goes, there's, he just loves people. People flock to him. Kids flock to him. Um, you know, he, he's meant to be around people. He's, it's just really amazing. Um, um, you know, he went back to school um, Friday just for three hours this past Friday for, for um, just, some, just for three hours for testing. Just, I think there would only be a, a few kids from his classroom there at school on that day. But he was so excited to be back around people, back around his friends, back, uh, you know, in his position of influence uh, when they were pulling, and when Heather and Fisher were pulling out of the driveway, our next door neighbor, he's in his 70s, uh, retired military guy, um, very high up in the military, but Fisher rolled down the window and yelled to our neighbor, hey, John, I'm going to school today. He's just so excited, and um, um, you know, yesterday I told you when we were coming home, we had to get home quick because Heather had to go get her hair done and I had to take care of Ada. And we pull up and um, our, our other next door neighbor, there, there's um, two twin boys, they're 17, they're out playing basketball with some of their friends and Fisher's like, can I go play with them? I'm like, sure. So um, before too long, you know, they were playing basketball, but I noticed that, you know, there's like a group of five or six high school guys playing on our playground. Fisher is such a strong leader. He got this group of high school guys playing basketball to come play tag on his playground and have a snowball fight. And, and then he was out there until it got dark, like an hour and a half. I went up, Fisher, it's time to come in. And, you know, he's playing basketball with them. They were uh, just a natural-born leader. But Fisher, Fisher understands leadership, too. When I, when I first met them, he asked me, you know, who's the boss around here? And you know, I said, well, uh, you know, Pastor Lawson's the boss. He's like, that's what I thought. And He's like, and Pastor Barb is the number two boss, right? I'm like, yeah, she's the number two boss. And he's like, you're the number three boss, right? I'm like, yeah. And now that now he's part of the family, he's like, I want to be the number four boss. That's what he <laughs> and Heather's like, no, that, that might be my spot. He's like, no, I'm going to be the number four boss. <laughs> so God did something awesome in this, you know, initial... Um, um, battle here with the Amalekites. Um, God, God just revealed again to himself, to, to Moses, you know, I'm not just Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your healer. That's one aspect of my redemption. But another aspect of my redemption is that I, I not only want to heal you, I revealed to Abraham, I'm going to provide for you. I'm Jehovah Jireh. But he says, here, I am Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, your banner, the Lord, your victory. God gives us the victory. And he want, he, for, for the next 40 years, Moses was going to be reminding Joshua of that. Hey, do you know who God is? Do you know who the Lord is? He is Jehovah Nisi. Remember that first battle that you fought. That first battle that God won through your hands, through our hands, where, where I, you just had to step in and assemble an army, train them and go. On. I, that is because the Lord is our banner. He is the Lord, our victory. So like I said, um, Moses, all these great things happened in his life. You know, he um, you know, later, later you know, writes the first five books of the Bible. You know, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. He writes these things. And still, at the end of his life, 40 years later, he's 120 years old now. And more than anything he wants to accomplish in his lifetime. He's saying, God, please, please let me cross that River Jordan. Please let my feet go across and step into that promised land, that land that you promised to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. And let's, let's read about this account. This is one of the, the, the last um, conversations we see between Moses and the Lord Almighty, one of the last conversations they have. Um, it's in Deuteronomy 3, verse 23.
And I love this, even right before in verse 21, he's again reminding Joshua, you know, 40 years into fighting all these battles, into going through the desert, into dealing with people, dealing with people who want to kill you and go back to Egypt all the time. He's, he's reminding Joshua of who the Lord is. Verse 21, he says, I commanded Joshua at that time saying, your eyes have seen all the things the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So will the Lord do to all the kingdoms through which you pass. Moses is an awesome preacher. He's saying, you must not fear them for the Lord your God himself fights for you. God, the Lord himself is gonna fight for you, Joshua. So he is constantly reminding Joshua of who the Lord is and that he is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our victory, the Lord, our banner. So verse 23, this is Moses where he really pleads with the Lord now. Please, Lord, bring this promise to pass the way I want you to bring it to pass. Please. How you guys have prayed prayers like that? And you're starting to, maybe, maybe it's, you've been praying something, please bring it to pass exactly this way, God. And you might see it's, it's probably not going to happen the way you were thinking, the way you were praying. But God has something more, more extraordinary planned anyway, so keep trusting God. So it says, I pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, oh Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand for what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do anything like your works and your mighty deeds. I pray, let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, those pleasant mountains and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. Go up, and this is kind of interesting. It says, go up to the top of Pisgah and lift your eyes toward the west, the north, the south, and the east. Behold it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over this Jordan. He's saying, I want you to see it with your eyes. Go look at this promised land. I want you to see it with your eyes. And, and as you go up there and, and look at it, don't ask me again. You're going to see that promised land, but, but, but you're not going to step into it yourself. I, I think there's something there. There's a word there. Kind of reminds me of like when I, when I go run a few errands and take Fisher with me to Walmart and we walk through the toy aisles. And be like me saying, Fisher, we're going to walk slowly through all the toy aisles, but you are not going to get a toy. It's like what God's doing to Moses here. Go up to that top of the mountain. Look. There, look over there, look over there. But you're not going to step foot into it. But he's telling him, I'm going to bring it to pass. I'm going to bring it to pass. We need to have dreams, again, that go beyond our own lifetime. Dreams that go beyond just what we can accomplish on our own. Like I said, life, the faith journey, the race of faith, it's not a sprint, it's not a marathon, it's a relay. That's what God is telling Moses here. It's not just about you. My plan for Israel, my plan for humanity, it's not just about you and what you can do in your lifetime. You're going to have to pass the baton on to Joshua here. And, and this is really cool. This is running into the whiteboard. How do you pass that baton on? How do you pass that mantle on? He says what, how you're going to do this. Verse 28, but command Joshua, encourage him, and strengthen him. For he shall go over before the people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which you will see. So we stayed in the valley opposite Beth Peor. So right here in verse 20, I think God is showing Moses specifically how, how to pass that mantle on to Joshua, how to help Joshua accomplish that number one goal that Moses had, to go into the promised land. So he says, first of all, command him. Secondly, encourage him. And thirdly, strengthen him. So I call this the... You guys can call it whatever you want. I'll let you guys name this. But this is a, a, you know, 
I think this is like John Maxwell leadership kind of stuff here. Um, so I, I'm going to call it the, the trinity of passing the mantle. I'll call it that. The, the trinity of leadership. I don't know. But this is really cool. So what did he say? He said, command him, right? Command. Strengthen. And encourage him. Or did he, say, he said encourage second, right? Is encourage second? So first command, second encourage, third strengthen. Or the, th- you know, the, the triangle of leadership, the three pillars, of, I'll call it the, the triangle of leadership. Um, so the first thing is, to, and you need all aspects to be a good leader to really impact the next generation, to impact you know, your own children or perhaps spiritual children to be, a, to be a spiritual father, be a spiritual mother, how to really be a good leader and impact people around you. You need all three, not just one. So commanding, that's like saying, hey, Joshua, I'm going to command you, take these people and go into the promise. This is my command to you, Joshua. Do this. That is what you're supposed to do. This is, that is the right thing to do. If you don't do it, you're in the wrong. That is, that is a command, right? And good leaders, good pastors, um, good ministers, good business owners need to do all three, not just one. Um, if I just commanded you guys all the time, said this is right, this is wrong, this is right, black and white, all the time without any other type of leadership, how would that make you feel? You feel a little bit beat up, right? If you're just all commanding and none of these other things, if you're just imparting knowledge all the time, commanding is like giving someone knowledge. I'm going to kind of show you how this works in Proverbs. Later on, we see that um, Joshua, when he took that baton, God said that he, he had a spirit of wisdom now. When Moses died, when Moses was 120 died, that he had a spirit of wisdom. Wisdom is found in Proverbs, but Proverbs talks about three things a lot. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. So knowledge is important. That's like command. That's saying this is right, this is wrong, this is what you got to do. That's a command. God told him to also encourage Joshua. We see he, he, he's encouraging Joshua. He's, he's saying, you, know, you need to go fight these battles, but hey, guess what? I'm going to encourage you. God is going to be there helping you. He is, remember, I'm going to recount it in your mind. He is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who fights your battles. Remember that time when I held that rod up, Aaron and her helped me hold it up, and you fought those guys. Well, I didn't even have to draw a sword. I didn't have to draw a bow and arrow. You did that. God was helping you. He, he's encouraging him here. You know, he's, an encouragement is like um, giving someone understanding. That's kind of like showing someone why. Like, hey, um, for instance, when I, when I was um, 16 years old in high school, I had a, a crush on a girl, another flute player in band. That's why I played the flute, because that's all, where all the girls were at. They all played the flute. If you want to be around the girl, you know, I was kind of a nerdy type guy, but uh, hey, you know, my brothers can play football, but I'm going to play the flute. I, I, I'm, I'm a smart guy, you know. Um, but I, I had a crush on this girl, but she wasn't a Christian. And my dad, you know, being the great leader that he is, he started off with this one. He said, Aaron, go down, downstairs, go to your bedroom, and uh, read Judges 16. No one's flipping there. You just want me to give you the... the Judges 16 is the story of Samson and Delilah. Say, so go, go, down, go down and read it. 
And after you get done reading Judges 16, come up here and talk to me. He said, Aaron, you shouldn't be dating non-Christian girls. Right? That's the command. That's the black and white. It's not a good thing. But he just didn't just leave me there. He didn't just say, Aaron, if you do that, you know, they're gonna, your, your eyes are going to get stabbed out. You're going you're gonna to push down these two pillars. You're just going to die. He didn't just say that. He didn't just give me knowledge. He also encouraged me. He gave me understanding. The understand, this is like the what. I'm telling you what, answering the question what you got to do. But understanding is kind of like why. You know, Aaron, why, why, why should you not do that? Because God has, has an anointing on your life. He has a plan for your life. And, and relation, your destiny is tied to your relationships. I just preached on that last week, right? Why? God, God has a great destiny for you. And if, if, you, if you shortcut yourself, you're going to screw up you know, what God really wants for you. He has a good plan for you. You might have to wait 17 more years before he reveals that special woman to you. But it's going to be worth the wait. Why? Strengthen. This is wisdom, right? This is, this, is, this is how to apply that knowledge to your life. Again, I'm not just a smart guy. I'm also a wise guy. I knew, hey, I'm going to apply Judges 16 to my life. I have ears to hear. I have eyes to see. I have a heart to understand. And I, I wrote a, a breakup letter to this girl, and she was very mad at me. But I moved on because I had, I had some wisdom. And it's a good thing I did because years later down, you can see it, it's, it's good to walk in wisdom. Wisdom kind of answers the question, how? So in leadership, we need, we need to be sure to do all these things. When, I, when I'm parenting my own son, I don't just tell him what. I don't just say, practice the piano or else, or else. I also encourage him. I tell, I tell him why. Why do you need to practice piano? Because it's good for your brain. You can't just you know, watch TV 10 hours a day. You've got to do some other things, right? Why and, and how? This is kind of like giving people practical um, equipment into, into doing what God has called them to do. So, and if, just talking about these things, there are different leaders in, in the body of Christ who really excel at certain things. Like, if I think some, some people who are really good about imparting knowledge, I love, I love ministers, I love teachers who are really good at imparting knowledge, just saying, this is how it's going to be. You know, Andrew Womack, he is great at imparting knowledge and just showing you from Scripture, this, God wants you well, period. That is knowledge, Right? And he makes it very evident. This is a black and white thing. God wants you well, period. You know, other, other great, you know, knowledge imparters. I love, I love, I love these, because I, I love knowledge. I love attaining. I love Rick Renner. You know, he's, he, he doesn't just have the Bible memorized in English. He has the Bible memorized in Greek. So I love, I love learning this, these kind of knowledge. Like he, there are certain people who are really great at imparting knowledge, at giving commands, and that's important in the body of Christ, Sometimes people just don't, they, they don't give any knowledge. They don't give any black and white, any instruction. They just want to encourage you all the time. If, if all you're doing is encouraging, especially in a ministry role, that, that's just giving inspirational talk, right? Without really showing people what's right, what's wrong, the way that you should go, giving people real direction. And, and, and um, I, I, love, I love encouragers. You know, I went to Lakewood Church. Joel Osteen is a great encourager. He really thrives in this area of leadership. He is such an encourager. 
showing you why and why, why God really loves you, wants to have a relationship with you. People who are very strong evangelists are usually really good encouragers. Um, what about people who strengthen, people who know how to equip and give wisdom? I think of, of uh, Dave Ramsey. They just have systems in place. They know how to equip people to, to, to do what God has called them to do to get the job done. This is, I, I have a system for that. People who think very systematically give those systems to people. John Maxwell, another great um, strengthener in the body of Christ. But really, we need all three together. If you're only commanding in your leadership, maybe as a boss, as a parent, as a grandparent, as, you know, on Facebook with the people you're trying to reach with your Facebook post right now, if you're only commanding, I see a whole lot of commanding going on on Facebook right now. If you're only commanding, it's going to, you're not, you're not, you need heart with it too, right? You also need to communicate some of this. You need to encourage people once in a while. And overall, you know, in America, there's a whole lot of commanding going on and not a whole lot of encouraging going on. Not a whole lot of strengthening going on either. So as a leader, I, I think to, to, to pass on that baton, to pass on the mantle, we need to you know, impart knowledge, understanding, wisdom, command, encourage, and strengthen, just like God told Moses to do with Joshua. And again, that was a 40-year period where this um, went on. So do all of these things. Let's go really quick to the very end of the story now. Deuteronomy 34 Um, starting in verse 7. So we're going to see where this um, baton is completely passed off to Joshua. And I'll try to wrap it up here really quick. So Deuteronomy 34, verse 7, when this baton is completely passed off. It says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. I think that's, that's interesting. He, he didn't go into the promised land not because he, he couldn't, but it's just because he wasn't called to do it. He, he had called Joshua to do it at this point. Verse 8, And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days, so the days of weeping and mourning for jo Moses ended. Now, Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. Full of the spirit of wisdom because, I, I believe, because he spent 40 years with Moses, he was receiving that knowledge, that understanding, that strengthening, knowing what to do, why to do it, how to do it. He was getting... Again, knowledge, understanding, wisdom. He's full of that spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. Again, did he just lay his hands on him suddenly and he, he got it? Sometimes as charismatics, we like that. We want to lay the hands on me and I got the power. I got that spirit now. I got that spirit of wisdom. I got that double spirit of Elijah. Just touch me and I got it. Now, again, sometimes that, that exchange zone for that baton, it goes longer than we might realize. That's why we need mentors. We need spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers. I like what the Bible says in, well, well Paul writes it, you know, lay, to Timothy, lay hands suddenly on no man. That Greek word suddenly doesn't mean just, you know, don't just go appoint people without knowing them. But it also means like, hey, when you lay hands on people, have a longer exchange period with them. Does that make sense? So lay hands suddenly on no man. It doesn't mean just, don't just go around appointing pastors and things without really knowing that, but also, hey, when you lay hands on people, 
Be with them for a while. Be with them for a few years, right? Be with them and mentor them for a few years like I'm doing with you. So he had this spirit of wisdom on him. Verse 10 says, But since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land. And by all that mighty power and all that great terror which Moses performed in the sight of Israel. The story doesn't stop there. The story, it goes on to Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua. The greatest thing that we can do when we're um, ministering to other people is to teach them to hear the voice of the Lord themselves. Joshua, more than anything that Moses could have taught him, could have shown him, you know, the miracles he, he saw Moses did, the, the greatest thing that, that Joshua learned was, hey, Moses isn't the only guy that, that can hear God's voice. You know, I, if, if I'm going to be a leader, if I'm going to do what God has called me to do, I need to hear from the Lord myself personally. So he got that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. So, so God here, God leads like this as well. God ministers to us this way. God is telling Joshua, I'm giving you the command. Arise, get up, go into the promised land, lead all, all these people with you. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. He's encouraging him here. He's saying, hey, I, I'm giving it to you. Every place your foot touch it. Man, we need to spend time in the word of God today as the church. God, from the word of God, he will give you knowledge. He will encourage you. He will strengthen you. He will show you practical ways to apply what he's giving to you. So every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all that land of the Hittites into the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. God is encouraging him here, giving him understanding, showing him why. Why do you have to do this, Joshua? Because this is my plan, this is my promise, this is my will. Be strong, be of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Let's skip to verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Here he's strengthening him. He's saying, here's how you're going to do this. Here's how you're going to do what I told you to do. To go into this promised land, to lead these people, to conquer these enemies. That's the command. I'm going to encourage you. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be with you. What, wherever your foot treads, that you're going to take that land. You're not alone. I'm with you. But he also strengthens. How are you going to do this? He's, he says, how are you, you're, you're going to need to pay attention to what Moses wrote. You know, the, those first five books of the Bible. You need to pay attention to the word of God. It's not just enough to know what to do and know why to do it, but you're going to need, need to know how to do it. You're going to need to spend time in the Word. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then 
You will have good success. This is how you're going to do it. This is what's going to strengthen you. This book of the law. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That is my conclusion for you all tonight. The Lord is with you wherever you go. Be strong. Be of good courage to live in America in this day, this age, this hour. God is not done with you. He's not done with this nation. If, if you feel discouraged, you need to get into the word. God will speak to you through his word. He wants to speak to you personally, just like he personally spoke to Moses, personally spoke to Joshua. God wants to personally speak to you. You need to get off Facebook, get off Fox, get certainly this is a word, get off CNN. And you need to get into the good news, the true news. Man, that, that excites me more than anything right now. And God will speak to you through his word. I love to preach the word. That's what I do. I am a word preacher. This is a word church. Man, be strong and be of good courage. Now is the time for the church to pick up the mantle. Walk with the spirit of wisdom and be led by the voice of the Lord. Amen? Amen. 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 Awesome. All right. Uh, before we close in prayer, I, I just want to let people know we are taking up an offering tonight. If you'd like to give, there are envelopes in the the chairs behind you. Um, you can give with an envelope. You can text to give. Do those things. There are buckets on the way out. Um, giving is awesome. You know, one thing I'm doing um, with this thing with my son, Fisher, I'm teaching him how to give. Heather and I, just the other day, just a couple of days ago, we were talking about giving. And um, we are talking about um, this, this conference that I spoke at this past weekend with Joseph Z. And, and um, I felt the Lord say to, to me just to let people know, hey, maybe God's speaking to you to add an extra zero onto your gift. And uh, I, I spoke that, and Heather said, hey, that was a word for us. So I, I went and took my check for 100 and I added another zero to it. And uh, she, she told Fisher, hey, your dad gave a big check in an offering today. He, he really felt like he's supposed to, to do a big offering for God, and he gave $1,000. And Fisher's kind of learning about numbers and things. And he, was, uh, he always asked me, you know, what's the biggest number? And uh, we're talking about, you know, like 1,000 and uh, 10,000, 100,000, million, 10 million, trillion, billion you know, the, the, the U.S. debt right now, you know, all these kinds of numbers, like, what's $1,000? And Heather said, you know, hey, Fisher, you, have, you actually have $100 saved up in your wallet right now. So that's like 10, 10 of your wallets. And Fisher, we didn't even say anything to him. He just said, you know what I want to do? I want to take my wallet to church and just give the whole thing. That's what he said. We didn't, I, didn't even have to, I didn't have to really command him. You know, I, and I thought of that, that scripture where the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, you know, I've, I've done all these things. Look at me. I've kept the law perfectly since my youth. You know, what, what, what else do I have to do? And Jesus said, hey, give it all. And he couldn't do it. But here's my son Fisher. He said, hey, you don't have to give me the command. I'm just going to give it all. So all of you can hear from the voice of the Lord. I love this church. We preach the word. We preach that you can be baptized in the spirit, be led by the spirit of God. You are sons. You are daughters. You can be led by the spirit of God. So I'm not going to do too much commanding about giving, but I'm just going to encourage you. You know, we, we are making an impact from this church. This is the why. Right? We are making a huge impact from this church, you know, not just into to families here at this church, but all around the country, all around the world. We are preaching the gospel of Jesus, and this is more important than anything. 
The news that is coming out of this house is more important than the news coming out of any other source of news today. Man, the gospel is, is the true news. Every other bit of news out there right now is fake news. The gospel is the true news. We have hope in Jesus, and there is only one Savior, and that is Jesus, and Jesus is Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.charischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.